Welcome to the Emo Social Club podcast, broadcasting to you live from EmoSocialClub.tv. I am Brian. And I'm Lizzie. This is the Emo Social Club podcast, the podcast about emo, social, and clubs. Clubbing, but not real clubbing. This is a Jersey Shore specific podcast. <laughs> But the Jersey Shore is primarily made up of bands from New Jersey, like My Chemical Romance and Senses Fail and shit. That's all it is. <laughs> As Brian uh, looks at me last night and says, why couldn't you like Senses Fail instead of Hawthorne Heights? And I'm like, I, what? <laughs> I just think that they're like of the same sense. I don't think so. Someone tell us otherwise. Like, I don't know. Hit us up on Twitter and let us know <laughs> at Social Club yeah. X because I don't see it. It's important to drop the plugs right in the beginning of the right episode now. before we even introduce the episode. This episode is with uh, Dawson from One Flew West, uh, some friends from Colorado. It's a very cool conversation. We talk a lot about how uh, bassists are important and are mainly the top 25% of their bands. And this is coming yeah. from a vocalist, so you know it's true. And also, you know, the important parasocial relationships to make sure you have the correct expectations in life. Yeah. We hope that one day we can be that parasocial relationship for you. Uh, and as if you Brian like... and I, yeah, as Brian and I said last night when we were talking, um, I was like, what if we just have this thing where we get big and then we go through this elaborate scheme to both get on different reality shows. And then those end, but we have clout now. And then mm -hmm. we start fake beef with one another. <laughs> By saying that, everyone... that means that we can't do it. But they you... are, who's going to go back and look at it? Who's going to go back and be like, this is it? Because what if it's like in you know a few years? Someone's going to remember. If you would like to help us get famous <laughs> enough to be on a reality TV show... Uh, you can start by giving us a five-star rating on the Apple Podcast app, on the Spotify Podcast app, on the uh, the Google Podcast app, on the Amazon Podcast app, whatever your favorite is. Five stars. You can also ratings. go listen to us now on the Odyssey app. Have you imagined if we were a radio station or if we were on a radio station? Could you imagine this on there? It'd be Great. fucking insane yeah. um but you can go listen there just download it search emo social club and we're one of the top picks um, we are and then just one go of the top emo social listen. club podcasts yeah go go <laughs> like it um to prove to them that we are we are worthy yeah. of uh being added into regular uh programming so maybe you're like hey but that's all well and good, but how do I, how else can I help to make you famous? Well, we do have some social media websites that we are members of. You can find us on Instagram at Emo Social Club. You can find us on Twitter and TikTok at X Emo Social Club X. You can find us at EmoSocialClub.com. We got all of our links and deets yeah, up there. Everything's there in a membership. And a membership if you want to get full access to streams after they go off of Twitch. If you want to get access to our DJ sets after they go off of DJs, uh, you can get you can get access to that over there. And it helps the club grow. Uh, if, you, if you sign up for enough of them, you know, we, we if we run out of memberships, we have to get some merch. And that's just a known fact that we're going to bring some merch to yeah. your shirts shirts to your merch we mm. need merch is what i'm saying we're, we're trying we need more to... merch we still have some merch that you can definitely get on our website so definitely order it tanks are still there and it's getting hot so yeah oh it's time it's tank time tank thank time? you yeah thank you it's tank time Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, tanks tanks uh yeah, I, I think that's all we have to promote right this second. So Yeah, we have some cool stuff in the pipeline, but yeah. you have to wait for certain other things to drop. But yeah. it should be pretty great. Yeah, so just follow us on all of the aforementioned social medias, and you'll know. That's all there is to it. That's how it is. 
It's how it be, though. So uh, let's be. just let's just let's just go. You know, let's just let's get out of here. Jump into it. Let's just jump into it, Philly DeFranco. Uh, this is our episode <laughs> with Dawson of One Flew West. Welcome to the Emo Social Club podcast, broadcasting to you live from EmoSocialClub.tv. I am Brian. And I'm Lizzie, and we're here this evening with our new friend Dawson, 25% of One Flew West. Thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. Top 25. We agreed. This is the <laughs> upper echelon of the 100% of One Flew West. Yep, it's not easy, but it's something that I strive to maintain. Carry Someone's got to do it. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, well, why don't you introduce yourself? Talk about the band a little bit. Tell us, uh, you know, the background of the band and and yourself, and throw everybody else under the bus for not being here. They're going right under the bus. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, as they said, uh, my name is Dawson. I play the bass guitar in One Flew West. Um, they're putting their best foot forward with me on here. Really, I'm going to be speaking on behalf of the band, and we've got a lot to say. So they're funneling it all through me. But uh, One Flew West is four members. Uh, Lyndon is our singer, acoustic guitarist. David plays electric guitar, and Jonah is our drummer. Um, the band was formed many, many, many years ago, about 12 years ago. Uh, I was not in it then. I was um, very young back then, 12 years ago. Um, <laughs> so I was not in it, but the band has been around for about 12 years, um, kind of going through different types of genres. And then, uh, in about 2017 is when I joined my freshman year of college. Um, I auditioned for the band and, um, they thought I was good enough, barely to uh, let me in and uh that's how i actually arrived in the band and then once i joined the band we kind of took more of a uh, we took on more of a kind of kind of more stripped down version of what the band was we had less instrumentation and we kind of migrated more to a, a punk pop rock sound and that's the line we've been riding uh since that time that i joined there so were you guys originally like a like a like regular rock or like alt rock band or were you jam band? Uh, that's a good question, especially being from Colorado. You get yeah, those people true. on Pearl Street who are, <laughs> man, you don't hear a lyric for 35 minutes and you're oh, like, God. man, I might be missing something here. This is a jam session going on. Uh, not that instrumental music is bad because there's some great instrumental music. But um, before, honestly, the best way I could describe it, and this is unbiased because it's a from an outside opinion, <laughs> they sounded like Mumford and Sons a little bit at the okay. end. They played a real heavy acoustic guitar. They had a lot of kind of folky influences, um, you know, kind of that real driving kick drum sound with a, a quick strumming acoustic guitar over the top. So it was really kind of like a, a little more aggressive Mumford and Sons to start with. Uh, and that's, that's what the band kind of landed. <laughs> Like yeah, so Mumford and Sons, but people are throwing down in the pit. Yeah, yeah you, exactly. you have the little like banjo on stage, and you're like, I want to see someone fucking kill, kill yeah. someone to this song right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like, this is Ophelia. Is that the right one? I always get Mumford and Sons and the other one mixed up because they're so similar. Sons of Mumford. <laughs> Sometimes, I mean, mandolin, though, is a deceivingly like impressive instrument. It, it goes harder than most instruments I can name off the top of my head. I had one friend, she just has one, and she also has a theremin for some weird reason, but she just likes to have oh. it to like flex on people. Huh. And I said, okay, I understand yeah. that. <laughs> How cool you are with your theremin. That's, uh, a, that's a good instrument right there. It's one you can build on your own. Did, did she build it on her own? No, she bought it from eBay. Okay, that's even weirder. Like, you could just <laughs> make that. Like... If you buy an instrument that you can literally make with just like, I don't know, household materials, it's like. But well, listen, are you a instrument uh, maker? <laughs> I'm a. Uh, I have played a theremin before, non-professionally. If there even are professional theremin, I mean, there no probably are. Exchanged at all? No, not one dollar exchanged for my uh, my Rude. time playing theremin. I I agree, but I was in college and. You know how they are about paying uh, anybody musicians. <laughs> you yeah. pay them for the privilege of playing a theremin, okay? <laughs> uh, anyway, it was it was I believe made. It was not purchased, so I was like, oh, this is like a pretty easy thing to just like make and own. 
Imagine buying from eBay. Now, here's the thing, Dawson. Are you going to make your own base now after listening to Brian's <laughs> inspo message <laughs> of DIY yeah. or die, basically? DIY or die. I don't make my own instruments, but the closest thing I do, because to me, the Fender Precision Bass is the pinnacle that you can get of bass guitars. There's just no need to change that that design. But what I like doing is finding really beat down P basses that are on like, you know, Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace. If you don't think you're going to die when you go to buy it, it's not worth going. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, that's fair. That's I'll fair. <laughs> is I'll just I'll just sand the paint off of the, the ones that they, you know, because they're usually pretty beat up. Or they'll have like a skull drawn on it or something. And it's just like, God, what was going on here? It's like, listen, (laughs) we get it. You're 13 and edgy, but stop it. (laughs) Exactly. And then I'll I'll just throw a a new coat of paint on them. I really like the the bright poppy colors for bases. You know, like your seafoam greens, the rose golds, the pinks. I like those sorts of colors. So I'll redo it with those and hit it with a good clear coat. And once you get farther than 10 feet away, you'd never know. It, It looks fine. But if you look at it up close... You'd be like, oh, you you went sketchy to get this one, didn't you? Sometimes you gotta live sketch. That's it, and that's okay. Yeah, wow. that's that's where you find the good ones for sure. Looking for some new music? The club has your back with our bangers only picks of the week. Friend of the Pod Nero is tapping into some modern emo and pop punk vibes with his new track, Phoning In. Don't know what to do, but I have had enough. We have so many friends dropping new music this week, and this one also includes Friends of the Pod, Action Adventure, along with Magnolia Park for their new single, Deja Vu. Wrapping it up with even more friends, Overgrow is back with their new LP, Walls of Mirrors, and here's one of the tracks from that album, You've Got It All. If you like what you hear, make sure to check out our Spotify playlist, Bangers Only, to keep up to date with the hottest tunes. Those are very Mark Hoppus uh, bass colors, too. For for a reason. Yeah. I am a Mark Hoppus fan. Capital, <laughs> all three letters. All three letters. Caps only. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, we have you on because your band is releasing their debut album, 12 Years. This is your first album. <laughs> yep. Uh, it's coming out on March 25th called the blur uh do you want to tell us about the record yeah absolutely uh first of all i mean that's a really good point too because people have said that with the tenure that the band's been around they see one album and they're like what on earth were those guys doing beforehand (laughs) like man but um the the real good thing about this album was it was the first time we had the opportunity to go into the studio and make a full body of work. We've only done EPs up until this time. Mm. Uh, And it was for a mixture of cost and just the time we had to put towards it. Um, But we teamed up with Smart Punk uh, Records out of Florida for this release. And that allowed us to really put some time down in the studio and uh, get a full set of songs together that actually constituted an album. So that reason alone has made us really excited for the blur. It's the first time we've gotten to do that. Um, But of course the blur was also written immediately smack dab in the middle of COVID kind of half (laughs) right at the beginning and half near the end. So it's also a very important album for us because it really kind of documents where we're kind of at with COVID throughout the whole span that it was happening basically. Um, So you get a little bit of that in there too. But other than that, I think it's really a, it's a One Flew West album. It's what people want to hear from us. It's what they expect from us. But there's also a few songs that give you the old eyebrow raise treatment. It's going to be a slight departure from stuff that we might do um, in our previous releases, um, just to the amount where we have a good mix. It's mostly going to be stuff that people know and want to hear from us. But we also throw in a few kind of new things that we brought to the table for this one. Well, obviously, you're also, you know, departing from Mumford and Sons and you're transitioning. (laughs) 
So there's also, I think, that to <laughs> take into account with all of this. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And that really, I think, uh, the Trial and Error EP that we released in 2018, that marked our real first departure from, all right, everybody stomp your foot and let's get that acoustic guitar going, <laughs> uh, yeah. which is great. That's, I mean, that sounds really good, but Trial and Error, we took a real big turn um, on that one. And we kind of found that, that was our that was more of our niche once we found trial and error that's where we knew we kind of wanted to hang out and the blur is definitely a continuation of what we had started with that um and then it also as we did we're now no longer a mumford and sons type sounding band it's gonna we're also evolving with this one too and bringing some new stuff to the table i think uh i mean obviously a lot of people in the past have done eps but i feel like it like definitely has changed in the last few years of like we're going to focus primarily on just putting out as much music as possible in the shortest amount of time so it's like ah oh, we can just toss out like three eps a year or a bunch of singles in a year so it's it's interesting that it's like yeah we've never done an album i guess like as an artist you're probably like i want to do both i just know that like it's good to put out more music and have more of that material and uh, especially if you're like figuring out sound and figuring out how you want to play with like the group. Like if you're only in it for a few years, it's like, well, how, how do we write together? How do we create music? And I'm sure you like, you want to make like a big body of work, but I feel like that lasts so much longer. And if you're just like, I want to make something now, I want to figure out what it is. And then I want to move on to the next thing and create that next and, and kind of keep that process up. Yeah, absolutely. There's a fine balance that you want to find for sure with with those sorts of things. Uh, and we've it's something too from a business standpoint that we found um, our music tends to be more successfully consumed when it's in single formats. So mm -hmm. when we release a single by itself with a music video with a good piece of album art, we find that it uh, is more successful as a standalone piece. But at the same time, as a band, that's you can't exist off of just singles. Eventually, you have to put a whole story together. So the blur is really coming at a good time. Between our last EP, a couple of singles in between, um, we were definitely ready for a, a longer body of work for sure. And now with this, what is this story that you're able to kind of <laughs> succinctly tell now when it comes to having this cohesive album? Yeah, totally. And there's, I mean, there's... The, the songs kind of were split in half, like about half of them were written right as the pandemic started and the other half were written more towards the, who knows when the true end is, but they were definitely <laughs> oh, later in the, in the pandemic. Yeah. No, we're um, all fine right now. Yeah. We're, oh no. Oh <laughs> we're no. Totally. I know. It's sarcasm but, for anybody who doesn't think that I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> yeah. But the, what you'll, I think people will find is that the songs more towards the beginning of the album were more our statement on how we were feeling about the pandemic and kind of just this state of hopelessness, unsure about what our future is, things like that. And what you'll notice for the songs that are more towards the end of the album that were written later, it's really doesn't touch on those sort of topics a lot. And I think it was very symbolic of us just kind of being like, look, we need to take our minds off this and think about something else. So it's more rooted in what we traditionally uh, wrote music about, which was just um, mostly our collective futures as people and as a band, um, just with where we're going to go with our lives, because we're all still relatively young. Um, so that was, that's really what a lot of our music is about is just not knowing what's coming really. You put that in a really hopeful way. And I'm like, I'm old and I'm afraid oh of the God, future Brian. and I'm like, can't relate. <laughs> <sighs> no, I mean, it's, and that's changed for us too throughout the pandemic we're still young but pandemic and everything that's, that has gone on has a good way of making young people feel like they're much older than they are for sure mm -hmm. oh definitely like, trust me i, I get it <laughs> yeah lizzie's lizzie's probably closer in age but i it's like man i just want to go through like not a, a like serious moment in his, history for like one continuously year. Yeah, like one year would be chill. Honestly, we we really are keeping them back to back, one after the other. <laughs> it's you know we have to condense everything at once, so then like later on we don't have to deal with it as maybe it's how like, it's supposed to go. <laughs> that's like having like 
all of your pregnancies together so that you have all your kids all at once and then you're like oh cool well like all the kids are growing up around the same age and it's not like you got to do the same shit like yeah what what an analogy it's the same idea it's just i was just watching uh one of the 90 day fiance spinoffs and she was like i'm having two kids under two and i'm like what (laughs) i was like that sounds terrible my guy yeah With with everything you guys do have coming out and this message, you're able to kind of give that out, at least with your upcoming album release show. And then also playing So What Music Festival down in Texas. That's also huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're going to be presenting our nearly our full album. I believe it is the full album. I got to remember the set list now. <laughs> it's not just an order. <laughs> it's, a, it's not just in order because we are we have a very interesting mixture of songs that are in standard tuning and are in drop d as well mm-hmm. um so it, it doesn't quite work to just kind of slam them out in order that the album is yeah um because live i mean that that makes for a lot of awkward tuning breaks so <laughs> you gotta cut that down for sure but oh, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. <laughs> we are we're gonna be presenting the full album at both uh meow wolf and so what fest so That'll be uh, both of those shows we're looking so much forward to. Meow Wolf as a standalone place is just really cool. Uh, I don't have you guys been to a Meow Wolf in your area? Is there I, one? I don't know what that is, so. but it sounds yeah. like a real wild name for a venue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Meow Wolf is incredible. It's basically like a, I'm sure I'm going to butcher it. I should, I should have like to look up what Meow Wolf's goal has been like. <laughs> well, Meow Wolf is a contemplative art. <laughs> but, um, yeah. It's like, it really is an art exhibit. And, and you walk mm-hmm. in it and there's just rooms everywhere. Um, I think really this is unofficial. I don't speak for Meow Wolf. But it's meant to make you feel like you're on mushrooms without being on mushrooms <laughs> at all. That's what Interesting. it's really okay. aimed at. It's just really trippy, psychedelic art, different exhibits that are just, you look at them and you're like, what am I looking at? Um, but it's a great place for music, too, because I think that's how we try to approach it as artists. You play this thing and it's everyone in the crowd is going to have a slightly different interpretation of what they just heard. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very much the same as physical art. You hear it and you just know everyone in the crowd is something different going on in their head, uh, depending on where they're at in their own life. So I think it's a really cool dichotomy they have between it's a physical art exhibit, but it's also a venue too. So mm-hmm. I think we're, that's going to be a really fun show. That sounds cool. Yeah. We don't have that out here. It's just like DIY <laughs> venues that pop up with like different yeah. exhibits. And then, like sometimes, like the, like the muse- uh, contemporary art museum here will have shows, but it's usually in their one like specific area, and it's not like you can like hang out like that because it's expensive art. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I I've always heard people say like they have these cool things, and I'm like, okay, but like why don't we have that here? I have to go I to somebody's Ryan. basement, and I don't want to do that <laughs> unless it's a really good band. <laughs> <laughs> and it's weird because i think there's one in denver and santa fe as well which hmm. no disrespect to santa fe that it's a great place but you would think chicago would have one of those before santa fe would right yeah yeah i mean we can shade santa fe if we have to for having it and we don't have it but yeah it's kind of uh, rude actually <laughs> yeah santa fe get your shit together uh <laughs> yeah we have like this weird thing with venues where like venues in the actual city of chicago have a really hard time like getting up and running getting liquor licenses getting the the ability to like have music till a certain time and all that so i imagine if they were like hey we want to do this here they probably were like oh this is going to be way too much work just to have uh, a, a space to have like a space to have all this stuff in there to get bands coming through and then, and then like, like you know the the boring stuff which is like ensuring all the artwork and all the people you know the boring stuff but that's probably usually why but still would be very cool if we had it yeah totally there's i'm sure there's a ton of logistics that go into it uh but i mean one place i i don't know have either of you been to the metro in in chicago oh, yeah oh yeah okay Cool, because that is one I've never been, but I definitely want to go to a show there. Um, my favorite band on earth is Alkaline Trio, and yeah, they is. post about that <laughs> uh, that venue a lot. And Love I'm it. always I'm always just like, man, that would that it's, just looks like such a cool venue. It's such mm-hmm. a, like a it's so open, and like you can move around so much for it being like comparatively like a, a smaller venue in Chicago that you can still oh, yeah. see like bands 
before they go to like either bigger uh like bigger places like aragon is very huge or like mm-hmm. you know like the stadiums because that's like the in between but it's like mm-hmm. right across the street from wrigley field and it has um like a nightclub attached to it and like another <laughs> like regular bar that's also like a small show venue too so it's like this really cool like dynamic with it across the board that is awesome yeah i definitely want to make it out to a show there at one point i hope it's alkaline trio but hey, I'll, I'll take <laughs> alkaline trio, where they're are there you they're there a lot where are they though uh, this year oh i don't know blinking blinking 182 style Blink 182 wing it yeah uh i went to the uh the four nights there when they played all their records and is that the one that they put on Spotify as like the Outline Trio live on Spotify? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it was recorded there. I'd nice. have to go, I was like, I was there. I don't need to listen to this. So it just like left my memory <laughs> yeah. and then I just listened to the actual like albums. But yeah, that was that was incredible. And the Metro is very much like it's a very approachable and, and nice venue to be at. So hopefully you can, you can yeah, get come there. here for an Outline Trio show because it, it happens all the time. <laughs> It's for sure. Yeah, yeah that seems. Were, did you get to go to all four nights, or did you just did you see one of the nights? Oh no, I went all four. Uh, there were <laughs> yeah, definitely some that were better than other ones. <laughs> like <laughs> the the last night was obviously like the best one, playing uh, Crimson and then uh, Good Morning. Like, yeah, yeah it's, it's clearly the best of all of them. Uh, you could totally oh even on the live version you can tell when he play, starts playing cringe leading into god damn it everyone just goes wild mm-hmm. but then there's some albums where he's like all right and people are like oh, i got this night damn yeah. it they're like this but, is the one i got upsetting right they <laughs> totally so they had started doing it and there was there's a lot of confusion online of like what is going to be the order of it and i think after mm-hmm. the first night everybody realized okay they're playing them in like these kind of like reverse orders where they're playing the newest album and then the oldest album. And so it was like the first night you're there and yeah, you're like, okay, this is awesome. They're going to play, uh, I, at the time that was, uh, um, it was, it's this, thing my cursed. shame is true. No, it was or my is... shame is true. It was pre, oh. uh, is this thing cursed? So I was like, Oh, I like this record. That's actually, this is cool. This is nice. Great and then record. they kick into the first one. It's like, everybody goes wild. Yeah. Like you said. And the second night I'm just like, no one seems to care. Ooh. <laughs> it's right. like it's like uh, agony and irony in this addiction, and it's like those are just not their like they're not their bangers from top to bottom albums. So yeah. it's like yeah, there's a few good ones. People are going, you know, having a good time. And then it's like okay, see you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Short night, you know, wrap yeah. it up. Come on, guys. That was a quick night. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was very good. That's so cool. I can't believe you got to go to all four of them, though. That is really cool. It was a stretch. It was very, it's like. No, if we try to get Brian to go to all four nights again at Alkaline Trio, I don't know how it would go. I would just go to the fourth one now because I know <laughs> I know what it's going to be. Uh, yeah, we, uh, we, we, are, we are blessed with a lot of Alkaline Trio shows here in Chicago, obviously. But uh, Which, now man, it's like. You, you guys are lucky for that one. I mean. Yeah, we take it for granted. Like, uh, Rise Against too is another one where it's just like, yeah, they play all all the time. time. Like, you know that you have, if you listen to alternative rock at all, you have you have seen Rise Against play at least once, anywhere, literally anywhere. And if you haven't, it's a lie. You've seen them somewhere. (laughs) And no shade, they're great. No, they're great. That's the thing is that like you you have seen them, and that's it. Like, I don't care if you say you haven't, you've seen them somewhere. Like I think there was totally. one there was one year I saw them like five times. I don't even remember how that happened, but I saw them five times. <laughs> I was just there. <laughs> five, I mean, that's I've seen Rise Against two times live, and they are incredibly good. Mm-hmm. And oddly enough, too, I don't know if you guys knew this about us, but we um, Rise Against. I mean, almost all of their catalog is recorded at the Blasting Room in Fort Collins, mm-hmm. um, and Alkaline Trio did My Shame Is True at the Blasting Room, which is mm-hmm. where we record all of our music since Trial and Error. So. Um, we get to go in there and, and look at all the Rise Against records on the wall and just, I mean, being in the place where they record those songs is just super cool for oh, us because yeah. we love both Rise Against and Alkaline Trio a ton. Hell yeah. Now, hopefully, whenever you're recording next, maybe they'll pull the Travis Barker on you or they're just like down the hall and they're like, hey, <laughs> <laughs> right. can, I, we, can I come in here real quick? <laughs> Maskeeper just comes in. He's like, hey, dude. <laughs> Let me play drums on this, and you're like, you're not a drummer. <laughs> He's the like, actually, only... I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna play bass, and you say, okay. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh my, I would, I would <laughs> hand him over here you any go. instrument he asks for. I want to play ukulele. Here you go. All right. You got <laughs> okay, the theremin. I don't fucking know yeah. what we're going to do with it. Here <laughs> you go, bestie. Let's go. I built my own. Uh, the jokes always come back. <laughs> uh, the, the only thing we've had happen like that uh bill stevenson the drummer of the descendants owns the blasting room oh um, and we were tracking drums one day and our, our drummer was in the tracking room playing away and bill walks in and he's he's just he's always dressed comfortably that guy knows what he wants he's got his gym shorts on black t-shirt <laughs> his tennis shoes and he just stands there for a second and stares at our drummer through the window and we're all like holy shit does he think it's bad does he think it's good like what <laughs> and all he does is he kind of stands there with his arms crossed Ooh. gives us one nod and just walks out of the room and we were like all right i don't know what that meant but i yeah. hope it was good i mean i feel like if he was like this is bad he'd be like hey yeah you this sucks <laughs> he just hits the the room mic hey get uh, out of here sounds like shit in there so you wanted us to you want to just come on out. come on out dude like <laughs> stop it stop it Go home, write music, come back. <laughs> uh, I know that you're not the, well, maybe you are, and I shouldn't assume anything, but uh, lyric-wise, I assume that Lyndon, being the singer, writes most of the lyrics, so if yeah. I'm wrong about that, please correct me. Um, yeah, you're, that's Lyndon writes all the lyrics. Cool. Sometimes, we've had a lot more people lately, like, saying, oh, no, we do everything collaboratively, yeah. and, like, as a as somebody who wrote the lyrics for my band, I was like, no, you can't even read them. Like I just you sing them and then you fi <laughs> you figure them out when you hear them from my mouth. And if they get them wrong, then I'm like, ah, I gotta fix that. Like, yeah. so I, I yeah, I don't know if it's like uh uh like do you? Let me ask you. Let me let me turn this into a question. Oh. I'll turn it from a statement into a question. Like, yes. how is the process of like? writing music like is it like how do you guys collaborate with one another to create the the product at the end yeah it's a good question uh, and really the our music starts foundationally as acoustic guitar music because we're we've migrated from being heavy acoustic guitar but Lyndon still plays an acoustic every show and it's mm -hmm. definitely there um so i don't know if you both are familiar with the concept of the campfire test but Essentially, if if a song is able to sound good with just the vocalist and an acoustic guitar, um, mm -hmm. that's probably a good indicator that it's going to sound really good with a full band. Mm -hmm. So that's the foundation we use for all of our songwriting. So Lyndon will approach us with a song, lyrics and skeleton, so just the chord structure written, and he'll kind of play it for us or he'll send us a recording. And we listen to it and we either... It's very open songwriting. We will We have no problem telling him, that ain't it. Go back to the <laughs> get, get out of here. Get out of here. Right. Stand there with your arms right. crossed, just like go, you know. go back to the campfire outside and think right. about what you did, and then come back. You need to blow on that fire a little more. <laughs> no, that's, so that's how he approaches it. Is he'll he'll bring us a song with chords and lyrics, and then if we think, hey, that actually sounds pretty good, um, we will start layering our instrumental pieces on top of it which is really where a lot of the uh, melodic aspects come in uh, with the lead guitar lines. And then the rhythm is created with Jonah and I as a rhythm section. Um, so they, they end up sounding pretty different than when they are just brought to us. But that's how our songwriting works. It starts bare bones, acoustic and vocals. And then we all kind of layer in our own pieces together once that skeleton is set. Hmm. Like, would you say it changes a lot or would you say it just kind of like if it's a good song, then you're like, no, we're just going to build on this. It's not going to change that much. But do you feel like it changes over time as you like, like obviously having songs for a long time and then working on an album for a while, you're like, okay, we've had these songs for a long time, but are they like always developing? Do they kind of just stay the same from when the, he first presents them to you or how does it evolve? Yeah, I would say they, I would say they stay somewhat similar. But really, the the thing that changes is the musicality behind it. Um, his lyrics almost always stay the same. The song structure almost always stays the same. But he might play a song to us really slowly, um, and we're like, man, that that's got to have a breakbeat behind it. And we're gonna, it's gonna be basically double time this whole song. <laughs> or he he'll bring us a song that might be a little quicker or like swung, and we'll say we should just play that straight. It doesn't need to be swung like that. Like it mostly is the musical elements of the songs that change. 
Um, but the lyrics and the structures are almost completely unchanged from when he brings them to us and when they finally get pressed. But it really is mostly the music that changes. We kind of all try to say our own different pieces without even speaking words over the music. And it's really easy to do because you kind of give it once, you, you listen through it once through and you're like, okay, what is he trying to say with this? And then you pick up your instrument and you just try to kind of, I kind of get convey what he's saying through your instrument, whether you play more aggressively and melodically, or whether it's kind of softer and a little more laid back. So we try to kind of layer in with our individual voices that way. Got it. Yeah. It, it, it is that one thing about like the writing with an acoustic guitar and you're like, this is how it should sound. And you're like, dude, I'm going to put some punk drums behind that. You got to fucking, you got to fucking, no, this isn't the sad, sappy, like campfire, uh, uh, you know, trying to impress a girl with <laughs> acoustic guitar song. We're fucking kicking somebody in the dick with this one. Yeah, it's SpongeBob campfire song to the max. <laughs> exactly. And it's, a, I mean, there's an interesting thing too. This will be one that I think people will find interesting if, if they're listening, uh, who normally listen to our music. We have a, a very time, tried time and time again graph of if Lyndon likes a song less, it is a good quality song. If he likes it more, it's uh -oh. probably not that good. Uh, uh -oh. And he's not here, so it's the truth. <laughs> it's happened multiple times. Can't defend it. Where, yeah, he can. He'll, he'll play something and be like, this is the worst shit I've ever written. Like, oh my God. And we're like, that's really good. And then it's trial and error and it gets 1.7 million streams. And we're like, mm -hmm. you almost axed this thing before it even got into <laughs> the studio. So I think it's also a good, absolutely with anyone who writes songs from scratch, it's you are your biggest critic for sure. You, mm -hmm. Cause you hear yourself making all these changes. Um, and it sometimes it just takes an outside perspective to go, that's really good. What, like that sounds great. So <laughs> I think we've really found that good fine line. Yeah. I, uh, I I think that a lot of musicians who know how to play their instruments, especially like not the good Charlottes or the Blink 182s when they were first writing music, where they're just like, no, I wrote a song. Like it's a song. I it's wrote a done song and, it's, and out. it's not great, but here it is, and you yeah. are gonna listen to it now. And it's Forever. like you connect so much better with like the simple, straightforward songs with like emotion and and lyrics that that like mean something to them behind it than you do with like I wrote this really like complicated thing and like this is going to be like a, a third section here You're like no dude three chords and a prayer <laughs> <laughs> absolutely but i i will say too cheshire cat is my guilty pleasure yeah, sometimes no, that's, if you that's just want to hear if you want to hear just straight skate punk riffs for 32 minutes there's no better album than cheshire cat it just gets you through it like what you must <laughs> really be going does. through something <laughs> to like have to go through it but it's a good album to go through it too absolutely look i'm gonna argue with you guys and say uh, <laughs> brian did you know the, the spongebob reference i made no uh <laughs> vaguely vaguely but not really no i i listened to this podcast on blink 182 and it was uh like they were they were talking with a guy who does a podcast i believe that they go through every blink 182 song like they just talked for like four hours about each Blink-182 song. Um, <laughs> and they were like, okay, let's like play something off of Cheshire Cat and like, you know, let the audience know like what this sounds like. And I'm listening to it and I go, this is bad. And I'm really not happy that they're so excited about it. I'm like, this is just not enjoyable. I'm sorry you to. don't enjoy art. I... <laughs> that's that's really that's peak human performance uh yeah i don't know right what there. else you're looking for it's literally uh, like bold and brass and you're like belongs in the trash and you don't yeah. get that spongebob yeah. reference either i i i feel bad that i don't but i stand by it like it's just it's rough and it's like uh like if i look back through like my old music shit i go man that kid me didn't have any idea what the fuck he was doing out there. He was just doing his best based on like those that came before them and, and trying to do what they could. And like, that's what it sounds like to me. And I'm like, Oh, you really figured it out when you like had a producer and, and good quality equipment and learned to play your instrument a little better. 
Absolutely. And I think that I, that's totally true with a band like Blink too, where like in the Pursuit of Tone episode with Tom DeLong, he even mm-hmm. says like, damn it, the song damn it is where they really were like, oh shit, like this is good. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think every band kind of has that point where they go from like, yeah, this might sound aesthetically good, but you hit a point where you're like, okay, we can write a song now for sure. And so, I mean, for them, obviously it was on a times 2000 scale yeah. but yeah i think every band kind of finds that moment where they're like okay we actually know what's going on here now very true it takes time it takes time to learn your craft and learn how you want to write these songs and blink 182 took a long time <laughs> that's all i'm gonna <laughs> say i was not a huge blink fan uh until the self-titled record and then that was pretty much it and then now i've gone back a little bit and i'm still like it just isn't my favorite of this sort of genre, but uh, I can at least like appreciate and I dig it. And obviously they've had a huge impact on the scene. So, uh, but MGK has put out the most recent good Blink-182 record. Oh, <laughs> that is, I mean, the, I think the, the beauty of Blink to me is that it, I mean, I love Blink, one of my favorite bands ever, but <laughs> to me, they, they perfectly embody the kind of, 23 and me of finding real punk music. You listen to Blink and you're like, holy shit, like this is music I can really listen to. And then you're like, man, what do these guys like? And you find Descendants, No Effects, Bad Religion. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, this is really good music. Like this has some substance to it. And that's exactly what happened for me. I started with Blink and I was like, this is amazing. And then the, the band that I kind of found after them was Bad Religion which is now my second favorite band mm-hmm. right behind alkaline trio, because you listen to those two bands and you're like, these are, I mean, they're in a different universe from their actual songwriting substance capabilities. Um, so I think the the beauty of blink is that it perfectly forays people into finding other punk music that they might not have found on their own. Absolutely. Yeah. Hard to agree with that. I mean, you find one and then you just branch off and keep finding it. Cause it's like, you know, oh, this sounds familiar, and something similar on, like, LimeWire pops up, and you're like, mm, I think that's it. I think that's it. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. The algorithm of LimeWire. Yeah. Well, LimeWire is now going to be an NFT site, so we can I no longer don't. reference it. We are no longer talking no. about LimeWire. Just, just, <laughs> just on principle. Just like, how could you? How could you take these memories that we had and how could ruin you them? Do it's only going up from here, brother. Oh, this is not fun as it goes down. <laughs> Pulling out the water. Oh, no. We're back with another Spicy Takes. This time, it's a battle to the death with our friends OK Cool, a local indie emo Chicago band that we've had on the pod before, so we're stoked to have them back here doing some hot sauce challenges with us. As always, we're sponsored by our friend Soothsayer Hot Sauce. And you can get some of their hot sauces, like the ones we featured here, like Decay, over on their site at SoothsayerHotSauce.com. To watch the full video, head on over to our YouTube. And while you're there, make sure to leave a comment. Let us know whose spicy takes you want to hear next. Rate us and subscribe. Dawson, we can also talk a little bit more about how you guys are also playing So What Music Fest, which is awesome because that lineup is insane. To the point where people yeah. online keep thinking that it's fake because a lot of people don't know how shows <laughs> can be booked. <laughs> totally. Yeah, that was we were so excited to get that uh, that email when it came through that we were getting it. Um, and I love the layout they have. They, they've got their good fair share of pop punk. They've got hardcore present. Then they've also got kind of more modern rap hip hop type music, which is so it's really a very good, well-rounded festival. Um, and yeah, when we saw the lineup, we were like, man, what a great lineup to be a part of. We, uh, we got to play the Denver date of the Vans Warp Tour when it came through hmm. and it felt to us really close to a Warp Tour type thing where it's just so much good music over the course of those days. So we're very excited for it. Um, uh, question that we've got asked is the band we're most excited to see. That answer unilaterally is Sum 41 for all Oh my God, Sum 41 is so fun live. I love Sum 41. (laughs) That's going to be, yeah, we're so excited to see them. So um, we're excited to be a part of it and excited to see a a bunch of the other bands uh, that play throughout the weekend too. 
I hope we get to make it down there. But if if and if we do, uh, I will skip every band for two chains. No question. <laughs> Like, I'm gonna yes. roll up, and I know he's not there, but um, Brian gave me some of his old shirts from his mm-hmm. scene kid days, and one of them is this neon, like scene core T Pain shirt, and mm-hmm. it's like so sick. <laughs> I'm just saying, Manning, yes, like Waterman, dude. I think that Two Chains would go the fuck off, and I just have to see it. You I just love have to see it to believe it. I just love the two chains is like, I'm going to rap like it's a nursery rhyme <laughs> and the the dude is just, yeah, I'm going to go watch two chains over anyone else. It could be like, <laughs> Oh shit. Him and my chem are up against each other. It's like, I've seen my chem back in the day. <laughs> when am I going to see two chains, chains again? <laughs> He's Absolutely. got two that chains guys. <laughs> oh my God. That really reminds me of a. I, I went to Riot Fest back in the day when it mm-hmm. came through Denver, and it gives me the same vibe as uh, Snoop Dogg played immediately. Yeah. Like, he played at the very, very end of the festival, and it was just like all these people who were here to see metal. Mm-hmm. System of a Down had just reunited. <laughs> so oh, that it was, was that year. Thing. Yeah. 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 And <laughs> actually, Ice Cube played before System of a Down, and that was the two most different acts I have ever seen one after another. Um, and Ice Cube got booed off the stage. Are actually. you kidding me? Who booed off Ice Cube? That's offensive. Yeah. I know. I was just like, man, you're just asking for trouble there. But seeing Snoop Dogg, like people did not like Ice Cube, but it was all these people wearing leather jackets and had the studs and the spikes. And they're looking up <laughs> at Snoop Dogg like, okay, yeah. I mean, that's good shit. And it, People liked Snoop Dogg at that festival, hmm. but they did not like Ice Cube. So to me, that kind of dichotomy of System of a Down versus Snoop Dogg is might be what a little bit of you see at So What Fest for sure. Yeah, yeah I know there was people online saying like, oh, it's wrong, quote unquote, to have rap at a metal and pop punk music festival. And I'm like, have you never been to Riot Fest? <laughs> have you never yeah. seen? I'm like, have you heard of Wu-Tang? Like, <laughs> have you heard of emo rap? <laughs> yeah. Like, all genres are just kind of, like, colliding with one another anyway. And mm-hmm. I think that's best for, like, music overall for every artist to be able to do, like, oh, we can put, like, hip-hop beats in our rock music. And uh, we can have a guitar in this pop band. And, and it's, like, it's better for music overall. But the fans are still going to be dicks yeah. and they're still gonna be like <laughs> i mean no, it's gotta be raw and real and i don't want no, i want to know because cardi b <laughs> tweeted out she's like they don't make music like this anymore and it was the i'm not okay music video as a gif that she tweeted out and i was like okay cardi b and mcr collab when though and i think everyone across the board would just like their minds would explode like everyone would be just <laughs> mad and not sure what to do i'm like that's the reaction i want to see from people i want to see chaos happen (laughs) absolutely i I think it's so interesting too coming from i mean one flew west definitely has some politically voiced music here and there um i think the people the thing people don't realize a lot is that a lot of rap music and punk music are saying the exact same message they're just presenting it in a different way um which is, I mean, the more people hear it that way. So I think rap and punk are oddly intertwined uh, for two genres that sound audibly really different, but it's the same stuff that, that you're hearing really at the core of what it's about. Yeah, I remember in high school, everybody who listened to like System of a Down, Limp Bizkit, uh, Linkin Park, Korn, like all those like new metal acts or like, the the like late 90s early 2000s like rock scene uh we're also listening to like eminem dr dre uh snoop dogg like they were listening to all of the the hip-hop artists too because it's like this is clearly like the same influence on two different genres but like it's all kind of the same so like there was always this like sense that like yeah this this all fits together but then everybody started making fun of Limp Biscuit, and now they're all like, no, Limp Biscuit's great. And it's like, where were you? Where were, <laughs> where were, where were you at the time? Yeah, you had to be there for real. I also, I, I won't even, like, lie about it. I hated Limp Biscuit when they came, when they were first, like, doing stuff. 
Because everybody yeah. I knew who liked Limp Bizkit was just such a fucking tool. And I was like, I don't want to hang out with you. Like <laughs> you, I, I'm not saying I don't want to hang out with you because you listen to Limp Bizkit. But I'm saying you listen to Limp Bizkit and I don't want to hang out with you. So <laughs> it just yeah. became synonymous. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think that's fair. There's somewhere you can you can make a pretty good guess about someone based on some certain music taste for sure. <laughs> so Dawson, let's let's back up here then. So like what is some of your personal music taste? Obviously you said you like some 41. So what yeah. what else is there? Yeah, I, and for me personally, uh, kind of separate from the band, when I first started playing bass, I was a avid Red Hot Chili Peppers fan. As Brian's every first bassist is. it happens. It <laughs> happens with bassists. It's a thing. Like it, it's a bassist syndrome where even bassist. when I auditioned for the band, I I played with my fingers when I auditioned for the band, and I my goal was I need a bass fill every gap there is in the song. I gotta mm-hmm. I gotta play something crazy, and then. As I matured more, I started listening. I almost exclusively listen to punk music now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started I started playing with a pick. I, I'll go on record. I think pick playing is superior to finger playing. Uh, but there's I mean, this there's is going to start both. a riff online. Yeah, we're going to clip, we're going to clip <laughs> right. this section and just yeah. put it everywhere. We're so going to put it on TikTok like... and it's going to be like, do you believe in this? And it, it's chaos online now. Absolutely. But I, what punk music kind of brought me to was that, okay, you're serving the song and you got to find your moment within the song to kind of shine. And that oftentimes holds so much more value than just playing crazy fills all <laughs> over the place. Um, and the the basis that really I identified with the most in that was Mike Durant from Green Day. Mm-hmm. Um, just listening to a lot of his individual interviews, he's he, his whole thing is finding a song within the song. And I remember my 13-year-old self hearing that, and I just went, oh, shit. Like, that is so <laughs> true. Like, as a bass player, you're you're sitting back there, you're supporting everyone, but you got to find that moment here and there in a song where you just play a riff that makes people go, what was that? Like, was that a bass? What was that? And that's, that's what really makes a song as a bassist. So I have gone through a huge transition as a bassist um, from someone who was – really forward in the mix and trying to pop through a lot <laughs> and now someone who sits back and just kind of waits for when is there space in the song for for the bass to pop through so that's kind of where i'm at now um and that is solely due to punk music i think punk bassists are tremendously underrated for being really high quality musicians so um that's for me as a as an individual player and then the band, oddly enough, that all four of us would say we agree on the most is the story so far. Um, we absolutely love the story so far. Absolutely a band that's in the top five for all of us. Um, and I would say that's probably the band that you'll hear come through the most in our recent recordings would be some of their influence Um but really our goal overarching as a band is to play very stripped down music. We basically use in the studio what we play live. And that's something that we really pride ourselves on because we want to give people as close as possible to a studio performance when we play live. And part of that is using the gear that you play live with. Um, Because if you start to doctor it up and uh, start layering too much or use different setups than you do live, you get, you go to the show and you just think, what like were was did, were different musicians playing in the studio like what's <laughs> going on here but that's really one that's a, a pinnacle that we try to hold strong to is really in the studio you're getting exactly the same gear setup sound that you'll hear uh, at a live show from us i know there used to be a lot more people in the band than just the four of yeah. you and was that like kind of the thought process there like if we're gonna have like for me, it was it, it was always like if we're gonna have keyboards on a song, we need a keyboard player. And then I'm just like, then you have to pay a keyboard player, and then you have to carry their keyboard, and this is all a lot. I'd rather just have a computer that just I hit play, and it, it, there's the keyboard, and it cost me nothing. We actually had a, a turning point show for that exact idea because it used to be like you said, a six member band. Mm-hmm. Um, so it we played a show after the um the guy who used to play rhythm guitar and trumpet joe shout out to joe love joe um he (laughs) left the band and we played a show without him and our drummer jonah had 
he had to wear huge headphones on stage because he was playing the trumpet on tracks mm-hmm. of live and I, we remember the setup and sound check it just being a disaster. He was like, I can't hear the trumpet. Like, and then you have trumpets blaring out of the house speakers and people are like, where the hell is, where the hell is the trumpet? Like what? <laughs> and so that show, uh, Snowmageddon in 20, who even knows my freshman year of college, 20 something, um, Snowmageddon at Rose Park, I think in Denver, that was the day we said, we're cutting out tracks. We're cutting out unnecessary instruments. It's going to be bass, two guitars, <laughs> and a drum, and that's it. That was our turning point show for we can't do the whole tracks thing for sure. I So I started a band, and this was based off of AFI, which is one of my favorite bands, because when you said bassist and punk music, I'm like, dude, Hunter of AFI, it's fucking nonsense bass. It's just so good. And I was like, Absolutely. they they went from doing like just straightforward like punk with one guitar, bassist, drums, and singer, and that's it. And then all of a sudden, they're doing like all this elaborate goth emo stuff that I love and will always love and come for me. And then they did like December <laughs> Underground, and they had all these synths in it, and everybody was like, "What the fuck is all this?" Like they're just like building on top of it with all these like fake instruments, and I'm like. Okay, so you have to start the band with synths in it, so that by the time that like you're doing like the next thing, it's like, oh, the synths are just always been there. Like it's just always had all these tracks in it, and then you're like, yeah, it's always there. Absolutely, That's, I love song. AFI too, and I I got a chance to meet Hunter actually in Denver. It was at he was at an art exhibit, uh, the punk rock paintbrushes art exhibit that mm. they do. Um, I got to meet him there and. We chatted for a while and he was really nice guy um but it was he, he said something funny to me because i was asking more about like where does he find the right spot to jump through in a song and more about his technical bass rig and he was like most people just ask me how i came up with miss murder i don't uh, i mean that's <laughs> some deep questions. they're just like hey you know this song slaps can you tell me more about it if all Dude, the other songs i don't that? care about but just yeah. miss murder right which i could totally see someone like him people probably are always like miss murder miss murder like yeah i'm sure it's the same for someone like mike durant people are always like so long view tell me about yeah. long view and he's like oh man he's like i but, don't want to right <laughs> right but he was he was super nice and I actually, sad story for me. I went to that event expecting to meet Matt Skiba in the flesh, mm-hmm. but he mm-hmm. catfished everyone. So, oh, damn. Oh, I mean, I've always been at a hundred percent liking of Matt Skiba. It went down to ninety nine point five that day. Okay, <laughs> right back up though. But he he posted that he was going to be in Denver for that art show, and I was like, oh my god, that's worth it. I'm gonna, I'm going. And then literally like two hours before he posted a story that was like, I've got the flu. I'm oh. here in Kelly. And I was like, you're wrong for that. You're wrong. You're for incorrect. That. <laughs> yeah. But that, I still got to meet Hunter. Um, and there were, I mean, fat Mike's wife was there where that's, mm-hmm. that's a person who I just walked by and I was like, you're wait, you're fat. Mike. like how it, there were just a lot of people there that were real great to meet. Hey everyone, it's Lizzie of the Emo Social Club and it's a brand new year. So maybe you want to update your drip and be the hottest and coolest looking kid all around the virtual web. You can do this by picking up some Emo Social Club merch and you can find it over on emosocialclub.com store. And with just an easy click, it can be in your cart and shipped right out to you. So you can stunt on all of your friends this upcoming spring. Again, you can go and snag these items over at emosocialclub.com slash store. I have found that it's better to be a Dan Andriano fan in Alkaline Trio than Maskeba because Maskeba <laughs> will disappoint you at some point. <laughs> and, and you have like, to be, listen, maybe that's what some people need in their life for a reality check. Like, have you ever been so disappointed by someone? I need a very, I need a very upsetting parasocial relationship with the singer of this band. <laughs> I mean, it's it's hard not to be though. Dan Andriano is one of the he is one of my top influences as a bassist. Absolutely amazing bass player. So he's yeah, hard not to like. And Derek Grant too, their yeah. drummer is 
as savage on the drums. There's no other way to describe it. So it's it's funny too how they. I mean, Matt Skiba is one of my favorite musicians ever, but he also is with two really really good band members too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Derek Grant uh, did a event here with us a few times, uh, and he's the nicest dude. So yes. Be a stan of Dan Andriano and Derek Grant and Matt Skiba. Just, you know, go, hey, man, thanks for writing good music. I hope that you can continue to just be a chill dude, man. Yeah, and not, like, scatter any more dreams. Now we have realistic expectations here, and that's how we all learn how to set realistic expectations in our regular life. Thanks for a parasocial relationship with Matt Skiba. Dan would have never let me down at that yeah. punk rock paintbrushes show. See? He never would. Dan wouldn't hurt <laughs> you like that. Uh, it's very much like uh, too like it for for people who don't know Alkaline Trio yet. I'm gonna say go listen to Alkaline Trio because they're one of the greatest bands of all time. Oh, but yeah. it's also a very like Blink 182 situation where you're like, do you prefer Mark songs or do you prefer Tom songs? And with Alkaline <laughs> Trio, it's do you prefer Matt songs or do you prefer Dan songs? And I think Absolutely. most people choose Matt, but Dan writes some fucking bangers. He really does. And honestly, for me, some of the highlights are songs like Emma, where Matt wrote them, but he had the wherewithal to say, I think Dan would sound better singing this. Mm-hmm. And it's like, those are the times where you just think, imagine if it would have been the other way around it, the song would not have been the same. So absolutely. If anyone listening to this, look up Alkaline Trio and listen to them. And then listen to One Flew West after. Very yeah. different, yeah. but you will love Alkaline Trio. Guaranteed. Build a playlist. Money back. <laughs> 100% money back. Money back guarantee. <laughs> you already pay for Spotify, so. So it's it's there. <laughs> you got you to gotta email Daniel Eck to see if you can get your money back from the oh, CEO God. of Spotify. <laughs> Before we get there, it seems like a nice place to, to throw out some plugs of where everybody can find One Flew West on the internet follow uh make sure that they are are ready for the record when it comes out next week so do you want to promote that and let everybody know where they can find you absolutely yeah so we are on almost all major social medias including recently tiktok and our handle for all of those social medias is at one flu west band um we stream on spotify apple music basically any of the major places where people consume music so uh, if you go to any your favorite social media, your favorite music streaming platform and search One Flew West Band, you will find us. Um, and that's correct. We've already released three singles for our album, The Blur, that are out now. So give them a listen. And then our full album comes out on March 25th, very, very soon. So we'll be playing a show at Meow Wolf here in Denver um, with two bands from Denver also that we love, we've played with before. Um, so it's going to be a really fun time, and we are very excited to share this album with with everyone. So definitely looking forward to it. If you could pick one of those singles to have a million listens by Monday, <laughs> which one would that be? <laughs> Without a question, Hopeless. The single Hopeless is one of my personal favorites on the album. And I think for those people who are familiar with One Flew West's old music, they will be right at home with Hopeless. So great place to start on the new album. And then kind of a sneak peek. It's a song that's not out yet, but the song Not For Me is probably the most acoustically different song that will be on the album. But I really encourage people to listen to it because it's a absolute one of my favorites on the album um, that kind of came out of left field for us. So when it does come out, don't skip Not For Me either. A million streams on Hopeless, yes. and then a million streams and Not For Me. When it comes out. <laughs> Guys, we need two million streams, and it's going to happen across any platform. It doesn't matter the platform. Yeah, whatever one you there's... use. Title, yeah. maybe? <laughs> Question mark? It's really so, easy. No. Two millions, come on, not that much to ask it's for. Like Give nothing. me a break. Yeah. It's so Everybody easy and here simple. Can do it. Yeah. Come on. You guys have the <laughs> internet, and it's on 24-7. Just so can the song be. <laughs> I am not encouraging you to go a Justin Bieber route, but also you could. But granted, it it's Justin probably Bieber. a better song than "Yummy." So <laughs> that is correct. I remember that came out at my radio station, and my friend was like so upset that it was so bad. I'm like, I'm sorry, and he's like, I have to listen to this all day. I'm like, I can't help you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> is it? 
fair or appropriate uh -oh. or uh -oh. okay to be like, I prefer Justin Bieber's older songs. Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like if you're trying to be hipster about Justin Bieber, you've, you've done it wrong. True. That's about as unhipster as you can get for yeah. sure. I mean, One World Do Slap, though. That's a good album. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, I don't want to give Justin Bieber any more time of day. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm going to take one question from the chat before we wrap up too. And then we will just hang out on Twitch. We'll talk with everybody over there and answer the rest of the questions that were mentioned. Um, but this one question, uh, from Kevin, Nick, Hey Dawson, did you tell your mom happy birthday today? Today is St. Patrick's day. Happy St. Patrick's day to everyone. Also a very important <laughs> annual holiday. My mother, Nikki's birthday, 317. Happy birthday, mom, a.k.a. Nikki. There we go. That's a mom <laughs> shout out on the pod. Mom shout this out on perpetuity. the internet. Yeah, this podcast is dedicated to Nikki. So none of I wouldn't be here if not for her. So what better time to do it? There you go. She, she created the top 25% of One Flew West. Yeah. And she should not, feel happy no. for it. <laughs> we are all very <laughs> grateful. Uh, well, yeah, let's let's toss it over to Twitch. Let's hang out with everybody over there. Uh, if you are listening to this in the audio format and you're not with us on Twitch, first of all, shame. Second yeah, of all, you messed up. Go, go listen to One Flew West, uh, all the singles that are out, especially Hopeless, one million streams uh, by the time the record comes out. Let's let's even give you a couple extra days, you know, push the Easy. the assignment now has a couple extra days to it. Yeah. OK, <laughs> you're lucky. We're that's, lenient. that's generous. Yeah, we're a lenient college course. Uh, <laughs> the record comes out on 325, the blur. So uh, I guess save it on your streaming platform. I, I know the people say to do that. And I know we've had bands on. It's like the best thing you can do is go and save that record on like, like pre-save save it. it so that when it's ready. So uh, go do that because it helps bands. And, you know, Spotify, it's a great platform where everybody gets paid a lot of money. So the more you can do, the better off all the bands are. Um, yeah, so that is uh, that'll be it. We'll, we'll go over to Twitch. But uh, Dawson, thank you so much for hanging out yeah, with thanks, us, dude. Thank you guys. I really appreciate it, and happy St. Patty's Day to all of you. Cheers. Thank you for checking out this episode of the Emo Social Club podcast again. If you liked it, and I know you did, you gotta go give us that five stars. Get on five that stars Apple. only. Besties. Get on that Spotify. Get on that. Whatever, Amazon whatever your, music. Whatever you your Amazon favorite is, tell it's Jeffrey us. Bezos that we are the best emo social club podcast you've heard by leaving Ever. five stars on the podcast. <laughs> That's how it works, I assume. I assume that every comment on a podcast is direct line to Jeffrey uh Bezos. Jeffrey Bezos of the Bezos Amazons. Uh <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's it's a good thing to have a podcast. We will be back next Monday with another episode, and we uh, we look forward to seeing you then. Uh, from from us here at the Emo Social Club, I'm Brian, and I'm Lizzie. Goodbye. Quality. Really thought you were about to go like straight with the burp, and I'm like, wow. No, all right. That's no, if there's one choice. thing that Emo Social Club stands for, quality. Don't leave it in. We can put it at the end. This is for you too, damn. And thank you all for uh, hanging out with us. Let's try Ryan. that again. Let's just try that again. <laughs> oh, you don't want to include that? No, I don't. Thank you again.